Well, I'm so excited today to be here with Kelly Castruita Spector, the Chief Engagement and Marketing Officer for the WNET Group in New York. Kelly, so wonderful to have you here. Thank you for joining CMO Pulse. Thank you for having me, Tanya. So I want to start, uh, before we dive into the specifics of, you know, what I know has been a really um, exhilarating and grueling time for um, for the world, and I'm sure for you in your role, um, tell me a little bit about how are you hanging in? How's your team doing? Like, I know, I feel like everyone I speak to at this point is is definitely feeling it. Um, what's What's your vibe like right now? Can we Can we do a little bit of a temperature check? Um, yeah, so I think my vibe is exhausted. Um, I think um, we've been we've been doing this for nearly two years now, um, remote working. Mm. Let me just say that. Um, and I have a team of twenty three people. I have five direct reports, but the team is a twenty three person team. Um, and I think we're all feeling it. Um, and I, yeah, I think it's hard to see where we're going. It's hard to see the future. Um, we were told a couple of weeks ago by my CEO that we will be returning to the office in January. He thinks it's been pushed now twice. And I think that um, I'm not sure that anybody really is counting on that. I, I think we're all just kind of waiting on tenterhooks. Well, will it be January? Will it be March? So so in that in that ecosphere, right, of uncertainty and working from home and just and just getting by, um, it's, it's been difficult. It's been um, challenging to mo- keep the team motivated and frankly, keep myself motivated. But y- y- we have no choice. You just got to keep going. Well, and and motivated, you must keep everyone, right? Because Absolutely. Because I, I refer to, I think, just the description about your organization and it's about creating inspiring media content yeah. and meaningful experiences for diverse audiences nationwide. Whoa. Like that's a huge, I mean, it's a huge remit in ordinary times, but it's, it's got a lot of responsibility attached to it, right? A lot, you know, as a, as a a public media professional and the professionals on my team, you know, it's all about our, um, our gift, our service to the public. And so, you know, in a way, like we are, we are more um, being motivated to, to promote and market our content um, is so key. You have to be upbeat about it. You have to be, um, you know, sort of eternally optimistic about where it's going to land and who's going to see it and how they're going to react to it. So, um, so yeah, motivation is really, really important. And so, you know, I've, I've done a couple of things with my team. Um, for example, coming up on the 28th, we're doing a, a little Halloween Zoom. Um, we'll do happy hour on virtual happy hours. Um, we will, we have, a, a, you know, obviously department meetings where we're all together and I try to keep them light. Um, and so, and you know, my own my own responsibility to the team is doing my one on ones with people, checking in, um, you know, with with maybe an, an admin or a coordinator who I might not see every day or every week, but just making sure I reach out to everyone on the team to make sure that they're they're doing okay, taking their temperature and making sure that they're motivated and and happy. And so that helps. Yeah. And and so you're going through it personally, your team's going through this, you know, individually in different ways, I'm sure. And then you also have this big role to sort of stay close to what's happening in culture, to be there for your audiences. Um, How are you, 
how are you threading that needle and you know just on a on a on a day-to-day basis i guess how are you staying close to your audiences just in this sort of fast changing landscape i think um obviously through social um and through newsletters to our members and donors and viewers um, with our promos on the air. And I think we're reinforcing the, the things that are, we are reinforcing our value. And, you know, luckily for us, because of the pandemic, and there's a lot of content consumption right now, um, when people are fatigued with the apps, um, we are there. And it's not just a second thought, but we, we have actually, um, we've actually grown audience and grown membership in the last year and a half. Because people are maybe rediscovering it. People maybe who never knew about public media are, are, are consuming it now. Um, you know, we've got this wonderful series with Skip Gates, Finding Your Roots. That's hugely popular and more popular now than it was before the pandemic. And so it's on social media too. Huge on social. So it's, you know, social is our touch point, frankly. Um, and it's about making sure that we are keeping our content out there, messaging around inspiration and education. Um, and the trustworthiness of our news products. So um, that's sort of what we're doing on a daily basis, frankly. Tell me a little bit about you had a had a huge, you know, so you're going through all this, there's all this change, you know, we know that we can only ever see maybe weeks or potentially months ahead of us, right? Like that's sort of where, where it stops. And then you went and did an entire rebrand. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about that? Was it just like a heck, you know, why not? <laughs> because everything's well, happening anyway. We may as well just throw in, you know, maybe one of the most complicated things that you can pull off. Well, what was that? Sort experience? of. Well, we had been doing some research um, before the pandemic struck in March. We had been from, from the fall to January. Um, I, I have this wonderful, I call him a branding guru. Uh, Peter's name is Peter Hempel. He, um, he and I had been working together and some other members of my team had been working together to do a rebrand for the organization. Um, it turns out we, we run about 10 channels, cable channels, TV, terrestrial TV channels. Um, we have a news vertical. We have an, a brand new all arts channel. And so in thinking about all of the, the, the properties that we run, it used to be one television station back, it started back in 1962. It's now 10 different channels that we, that we own and run and operate and program and market. And so um, Peter came up with the fantastic idea to call us a group, the WNET group, with all of our assets um, as part of the logo. So we had come up with this concept, but we were kicking it down the road. We were thinking, oh, well, maybe, you know, November of 2020, Maybe January 2021, we, we will do this rebrand. And then in the middle of the pandemic, I want to say it was May of 2020, um, Peter and I were having this conversation and I remember hanging up with him and thinking, why don't we just pull the trigger now? Why wait? Why wait? We're in the middle of this chaotic time. Um, chaos sometimes brings opportunity. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are gaps and people are kind of a little crazed and there's a lot of chaos. And I'm really lucky because I work for a CEO who used to run NBC News. And I just have to, his name is Neil Shapiro. He, you know, he ran a newsroom during 9-11. I mean, this is a man who, who you know, chaos, breaking news. Like he's, he's the calm in the storm. He's the leader that you want in this kind of situation. And I went to him and I was like, Neil, what do you think? And he just said, go for it. Go for it. Can you do it? I said, yeah. He said, go for it. And that made me so happy because he, because he is so he understands the opportunity in chaos, 
Um, and so we just started. We actually created the graphics and did all of the groundwork. Uh, and then we just launched officially in March. But it's, we started in 2020, laying the groundwork, getting the graphics together, doing our research. Um, so, yeah, it was a huge deal. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, and then this past, uh, this past summer, we also rebranded our New Jersey network. We have a public television network in New Jersey called, it was called an NJTV. And we rebranded that property, those properties. And now it's called NJPBS. So it gives us an identity with PBS. Um, and it was a really, um, a very successful rebrand there too. And when you, um, so you, when you, when you worked on this idea of sort of pulling everything into a group, how did you, um, how did you find, so it sounded like you had the air cover and you had the support, but in the end, I mean, you still had to make it happen. You had to sort of bring your team along and I'm sure on one hand, people are excited. The other hand, they're like, are you absolutely bananas? (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell me about what that process was like? And I think just one part of my question is, um, you know, it's a very bold, innovative, courageous thing to do in a time when I think candidly most people were just ducking for cover. Yeah. Um, so can you talk about it a little in the context of that? You know, again, I, um, I, I, I looked at this, the chaos as an opportunity. And, and also, if you think about it, chaos um, and the unknown uncertainty, um, you're thinking with a different part of your brain, right? You're, in my opinion, you're thinking about the, you're thinking with the creative side of your brain, the, the linear side of your brain is kind of, that's all gone. That's blown up. So, so, um, I mean, I, I think, I think, so that's, that's number one, right? It's sort of like, okay, why not do this? And then it was about motivating my team because they all have full plates. And then I'm like, guys, we're going to do this rebrand. And so I think, um, I'm lucky in that I have a really wonderful team and also collaborators because, you know, marketing has to collaborate with everybody because, you know, not everybody reports up into marketing. So I had to collaborate with, with colleagues who really saw it as an opportunity, as an exciting opportunity and to be part of it. I had a task force that I created internally. Um, so, so it was just about motivating my team, motivating the task force getting people excited about the, the possibility and the opportunity um, and then motivating them to, to sort of do the work. And we all worked so hard nights, weekends. Um, and that's what, that's what sort of made it happen. I'm not sure if I'm answering your, all of your yeah. question, but, you are, yeah. but that's sort of, that's sort of the way it was. It was about having an idea, just pulling the trigger and then getting people motivated to make it happen. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because I, uh, and I'll, I'll ask you this question in a moment, but um, oftentimes for big decisions, people will lean more to the intrinsic belief in the idea, in the creative or the data to back it up. Right. And it sounds like in, in this instance, it's sort of, we were in an unprecedented time, right? There was no playbook for this, um, but that you, you saw that opportunity. Has, has that, that idea of, um, like looking at chaos or something unexpected as an opportunity, is that a theme throughout your career? Is that sort of something that's particular <laughs> how you see the world or where, where does that come from? Uh, that's, that's, that's me. Um, uh, that's me. I, I have a, um, you know, I, I grew up in a, a, a big boisterous family um, and there was a lot going on. 
And um, I was always the thoughtful one at, at the table filled with people screaming and arguing about politics. I was always the person who was the observer and the analyzer. And I think I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with chaos. Um, and I think that a lot of people are not. And so um, not a lot of people. I mean, some people are not. It's just that, that I am. So I think that um, I wasn't afraid. I, I think I just wasn't afraid to pull the trigger during a chaotic time. When you um, think back across your career, if you had to pick one or potentially two inflection points or big decisions that, that have been impactful and that either prepared you for this big thing you just did or just impacted who you are today as a marketing leader, what, what would that, those one or two things be? Oh, boy, that's a really hard question. Um, I, I think... Um, because my career has been, you know, it's been mostly in media and entertainment. Um, and I think that, well, I, you know, I'll just, I just boil it down to, to deciding, making the decision to move New York, to New York City was a huge piece for me. Um, that was, that was life changing, not just life changing, it was career changing. It was everything. I'd never done television before. I'd have been radio. And um, the decision to move here, I didn't have a job when I moved here. Um, and it was having them just the faith that everything would turn out the way, the way I needed it to turn out. I had a marketing background in radio and the record business and the concert business. So I had this sort of entertainment marketing background. And I knew that if I moved to New York city, that I could make it happen for myself somewhere. Um, the decision to, to start freelancing at WNET in a channel 13 back in the day um, was a huge it was a huge decision for me. I, I started freelancing there and then at my current place of employment. Um, and it's just, it's just snowballed. So, you know, I'm not sure that I made, let me put it this way, Tanya. I made a lot of little decisions before I made the big ones. Mm. Um, and I think the one big one was my move to New York city with no job and not knowing anyone in the city. And just making that leap of faith. Had to. Um, when you think about how you approach marketing, so there, there's something that's about you kind of, which is personality and, and what you're comfortable with. Um, how do you lead as a marketer? And to what degree do you balance um, creativity and your gut and a sense of what's right with um, insights, you know, you, you described yourself as well as, you know, one to sometimes sit back and analyze what's happening. How do you balance those two things as a marketer? And do you think you're dominated by one or the other? That's such a good question. Um, ask the first part again. Um, when you think about um, yourself as a marketing leader, um, how do you believe that you are more gut-based and mm -hmm. more sort of creativity-led, mm -hmm. believing intrinsically in the idea, or do you do you tend to be more governed by, you know, insights, data, things data. to improve? Okay, I got it. Um, so for me, it's always audience first, right? As a good as as any good marketer is, it's the, it's audience first. And then when you think about the audience first, then, then the gut comes in. Okay, well, if my audience, we have an older audience in public media, and if my audience is 50 plus and, um, and some content comes in, we had, we had a fabulous, uh, great performances um, 
a documentary performance documentary with Nas. Um, and this was a few years ago. And so it was like, okay, well, I know my audience is 50 plus and I know this is Nas and how do I make this happen? And so it was, it was looking at the data, but then using the creativity in my gut and how do we do this? Where do we, where do we find people? How do we market this to 50 year old, 50 plus year olds? Um, and so I'm not sure that I'm dominated by either. I think they work hand in hand, frankly. I always pay attention to data, but then I think data, data is data. And I think marketing is so creative. Marketing is how can we, how can we take the data and inspire and enlighten that segment of the population with this new, new way of thinking or new way of consuming? Not sure if that, if that is answering your question, but I, I think I think for me it's a balance. It's it's not one nor the other. With that in mind, how do you innovate as a marketer? Like, and and how do you approach innovation? And I think we're just just for context. You know, I'm sure that so you have your audience first, but then you go, gosh. TikTok is exploding. Mm. This other thing looking for my attention. There's this other way to like, how do you balance that? And how do you know what's right for your audiences? So I'm just going to come right out and tell you, I rely on my young staff. Uh, they mentor me, they mentor up. I'm an open book. My staff comes to me and says, I think we should do A, B and C on TikTok or Snapchat or whatever. And it's like, okay, let's do it. Let's experiment. I'm really, I'm very um, open to experimentation um, and they know better than me. I mean, I'm a CMO. So, you know, I'm, there's a certain level that where I am, I'm not day to day on TikTok, but my staff is. So why don't I just listen to them? Cause they're there. So, um, so I guess the innovation comes in having faith in my younger staff and um, not being afraid to have them mentor up Um you know, and, and also it's the spirit of experimentation so that they know well, we're going to try this. And if it works, great. We're going to keep doing it. If it doesn't work, that's not failure. If it doesn't work, we'll try something else. So, yeah, that's for me, that's innovation comes from being open to what's around me. And how do you create that culture in your team? Because I feel like it's something that people talk about of failure is okay, failure is learning, and yet failure is also the top fear that people have mm -hmm. in the workplace, right? So how do you create a culture where that is in fact something that people are comfortable with and are willing to take risks around? To me, it all comes down to the support that you give your team. It, it all comes down to the trust that you give your team and the faith that you give your team. I have one young woman who works for me. She's fantastic. And she is just, she's always thinking. She's always, a couple people on my team like that, always thinking, always, well, what about if we do this here? And I, I give her the freedom to do that. And, but it's also, well, keep your, keep your eye on that because guess what? If that doesn't work, if that, if that is tanking, then you're going to have to pivot. So you need plan B. So I think it's creating a culture of trust. Um, and again, I love working with young people because um, to me, well, A, they're the future um, and B, I learn so much. So I think it's just allowing them to have that, um, that freedom, that creative freedom. 
I want to dig in on that a little because I feel like there's a lot of conversation around, gosh, this is such a different generation. We don't know how to hire. We don't know how to retain. Um, are you doing something differently when you're recruiting? Like how are you, how are you approaching finding talent and mm-hmm. then taking care of them so that you are feeding their strengths and, you know, and providing a place for them to grow? I think, again, when I, when we hire, um, for me, again, I have a staff that vets people and then I sort of am the last person to look. I, I really rely on my, my direct reports to, to hire. Um, I'm the last word. So if something really, it doesn't, it doesn't sit with me. We, we have a conversation about that. But, um, but I, allow, I allow the people who come in to be creative and I'm not, I'm not threatened or afraid by a very big personality and big creative personality, right? And so when you get them in the door, then it's all about trust. It's all about, um, and I'm the kind of manager that I, my first inclination is to trust. And then if you lose my trust, that's a problem. But if I'm not one of the managers who go, well, I'm not going to trust that person. They have to prove themselves to me. Um, that's not the way I manage. And I think that that, that gives people who are responsible um, and creative just a platform to spread their wings. Um, yeah, my whole, t- I mean, I'm the oldest person on my staff. Everyone's younger than me. Um, and I'm really lucky, I think. Yeah, you sure are. It's, I mean, it sounds like it's something, it's a very delicately balanced ecosystem that often is out of balance. Um, so, so with that in mind, you know, maybe referring back to where we started this conversation is what do you see as the pathway back, quote unquote? Mm. Um, what, what do you think about for the future of work and your team knowing that like, yes, you know, I'm hearing from a lot of people, gosh, super productive, getting a lot done, but really feeling it. Um, how do you envision the, the pathway back and, and what do you think perhaps that we can change about um, how we work that can bring some learnings from, from this pandemic time? I, well, first of all, I think that um, work has changed forever. I think we all know that. I think there's a blending of personal and work. They were so separate before. Um, and now they're not separate anymore. And there's blessings to that and there's curses to that. You know, the blessing is I'm remote working and I can run out and do an errand in the middle of my day if I need to do that. And it's it's no problem. So it's this the blending of the personal and the professional that I think um, the, the curses, as we as we chatted about before this before I got on, on uh, camera with you, um, is that uh the boundaries aren't there, right? So the way that here's, sorry, I'm kind of all over the place, but here, here's what I think. I think that the way back is, in my opinion, a couple of days of work of a week in the office, two, three days a week in the office. So the three-day work week in person, right? Let's say. Then you've got a couple other days when you're on Zoom. Um, I think that works for a lot of people because we need that 3D we need that hallway conversation. We need to see our colleagues. By the same token, um, having personal time, you know, getting up and you can be on your pajamas. <laughs> on the Zoom call, you can be in your pajamas, let's face it, not having to get to work, not having to commute. 
So I think there's this, um, it's a new way of, of being. It's a new way of being in your life, in your work life, in your personal life. Um, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and, and she said to me, you know, I was always so at 100% work oriented and now I'm not that way anymore. I'm very uncomfortable with it, right? Um, and I thought that was really interesting um, because it is that more of a blending of the personal and the professional. And I, as a result, I think cultures in, in, um, in companies, they're already changed, but I think they're going to change even more. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's it's unavoidable. I think the companies that are too quickly just trying to flick back to exactly the archetype of pre are going to really struggle for talent and for loyalty because it, it just isn't it isn't realistic given, you know, given what's there. But it's but it is, I do worry. Like I feel like there's a rush, particularly in New York right now, to have meetings in person and all yeah. of that. You're like, okay, whoa, like, okay, but let's be thoughtful about how we roll this out so that it doesn't just, you know, become a slightly less effective version of what used to be. That's a hundred percent right, Tanya. And I also think it's about strategy, like you know, strategically, how do we move forward? Let's put together a plan because this, you know, rush to meetings right now, that's not really, that's sort of a one-off. Like, let's really talk about the structure moving forward. And then we have some sort of um, something to work from, right? Mm. Um, and I, I think that that, it's important for something like that to be in place at companies. Yeah. Um, what is marketing in your own words, if you were to describe mm. what you do? <laughs> It's morphed so much. When I first started 100 years ago in the radio business, it was called promotion back then, right? Marketing kind of didn't exist. Marketing was the numbers crunchers. Um, and those are the folks that assisted the salespeople in using data to, to get people to buy, you know, buy TV spots, buy radio spots, et cetera. It's so morphed. It's everything now. It's everything now. It's, it's PR. You know, it's media relations, earned media. It's, um, it's you know, it's research. Um, it's, it's analytics, right? Um, it's promotion. We call that marketing, but it's a lot of different things. It's a, a, just a sort of an amalgam of, of different components, which really the bottom line is to get viewers engaged with your content, in my case, with your content. Um, and ultimately, in my case also, is to, is to convert them into donors. So what is marketing anymore? I mean, I think that's the bottom line, getting viewer, consumer engagement and then converting them into, you know, um, consumers of your product. Um, so that's in, you know, in a nutshell. Last question for you. Um, with everything that you now know and have learned, and this can incorporate perhaps what you've learned throughout the pandemic as well. If you could go back to the start of your career and offer yourself one piece of advice, mm. what would that be? To, to not be so reserved when I was, when I was younger, I was very reserved. Um, I didn't get a little, I didn't get more outgoing and, and sort of um, more idea driven until I was later in my career. I think it would have been fun in my twenties um, to have, to have been a little more outgoing. Um, and I, so that's a personality thing um, for me. I think that's what I would say to myself, like, just, just go for it. You know, just put yourself out there, go for it, and um, and never and, and don't stop. For for anyone who might really resonate there, what held you back, and what helped you break through from that? 
Mm. I've always been really shy when I was younger. And so always afraid to make a mistake. I think a lot of people are that way, just afraid to make a mistake. And so I, I was hesitant to, to do things because I was so afraid to make a mistake. And then once you get out there and you get some chops and you get some failures under your belt, then it's, it's sort of like mistakes are okay. Mistakes are okay. And you know what? I can do this and it, I, it can fail. I failed before. It's just about that growth, um, working through those times when things didn't work. Um, and I, I think, I think that's, that's what helped me. Incredible. Um, thank you so much, Kelly. It was so wonderful to chat with you. Um, I really look forward to hearing about more great new things, ideas and content emerging from your teams and just want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Tanya.